Looks Like New on KGNU's It's the Economy. I'm Nathan Schneider, a professor of media studies at CU Boulder. This is a show that yeah. asks yeah. old questions about new technology. We join you on the fourth Thursday of every month on the Old Fashioned Radio, or you can listen online as a podcast. Looks Like New is a production of the Media Enterprise Design Lab at CU Boulder. This month, we're joined by Kat Gu and Suji Yan in Shanghai. They're tech activists and entrepreneurs who have lived between China and the United States. Gu is a lawyer and uh, Yan is an engineer. They created the Anti-996 license as part of a struggle for workers' rights in Chinese, uh, China's tech industry. And their company, Dimension, produces uh, encryption tools like Maskbook, which enables users to send encrypted messages over popular social media platforms. We're exploring questions about, um, uh, you know, a question of like, should we all have a kind of great firewall? Um, should we um, be looking to China as an example, as a sign of where the internet is going? Um, what can we learn from the Chinese experience uh, with the internet, as well as you know, what is what kind of genuine conflicts are arising right now? This this month, after all, President Donald Trump has threatened to ban the Chinese-owned platforms TikTok and WeChat, and this comes after years of of China banning. Uh, access to major U.S. platforms like Google and Facebook uh, and securing the purchase of Uber's Chinese business by uh, Didi, a Chinese company. The American media tends to talk about China's Great Firewall mainly in terms of surveillance, a way of monitoring its citizens' behaviors and speech. But it's also the only policy in the world that has produced meaningful competition to the power of Silicon Valley. And much of the surveillance Americans fear from the Chinese government is also being done by our own government. European governments, meanwhile, are investing in new communication platforms uh, of their own, often open source tools. Um, should the, there be actually more such barriers to ensure that people have more local accountability and, that, uh, and autonomy over their Internet? Our guests today have been exploring another kind of sovereignty as well, something like uh, that some call self-sovereignty. They've been working to protect the rights of individuals to encrypt their own communications with each other. Um, and as the U.S., long used to being on the offensive um, of the Internet economy globally, um, starts to move to the defensive, our, our guests might help us think through what kinds of sovereignty online might be worth having. Katgu and Suji Yan, welcome to Looks Like New. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, I, I'd like to ask just a um, background question for you two to understand a bit about you know, where you're coming from. How did you first experience the internet? Uh, what did it mean for you and for the people around you when you did? I was born in 1996, so you know, in 1996 already, already World Wide Web, right? Already early version of you know the brothers. But I, when I was very young, my parents, uh, actually my some of my relatives and my parents, they they have connections. They work for the <clears throat> you know uh, national corporations for connecting the telecommunication business stuff like that. So they have access and they do have the vision of you know personal computer is super important. So. They did spend a lot to purchase one, running you know Windows ninety five, and that was uh that was you know, 
2000, no, 1988 or 1989. Yeah, and I was one of the kids that um, using um, personal computer and internet in before the, before the, the new century. And that's how I experienced it. But I think by that time, there's nothing to do on the web. This is very boring, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm, mainly, I'm mainly playing those video games, those very old-fashioned ones. Like, and also, you know, um, um, you know, those, I mean, I don't even remember what are the cool things on the web that time. Uh, I, I know there's forums, there's blogs, uh, early version of it. Yeah, I guess I'm just playing video games and sometimes, you know, do browse on the internet. So that's my, my <laughs> first experience. It's a perfectly reasonable thing to do with it. Kat, how about you? I, I do have a very interesting experience regarding like computers and um, internet because my father is a fan of StarCraft game. <laughs> yeah, he is a... He is a huge fan of that. So I remember like when I was young, I, I don't have computers at home, but like they're uh, kind of like, they have like this kind of like a computer uh, cafe. Yeah, this kind that of cafe. Like you, can, go, you can, you can, you can kind of like rent a computer just for, for a few one hour. hours. Yeah. yeah. So my father went to those places a lot and he were, because, you know, he, he, he sometimes he was in charge of taking, taking care of me, but because my mother, went out for work so he he were brought me to those like you know those those cafes and i will, I will just watch him playing playing starcraft so like when when growing older so like i was so i become a kind of like small fan of that so i <laughs> I, I started to play this computer games when i was really really young like when i was seven or eight but i i didn't know like what it means but i just thought it's because my father thought it's fun i thought it's fun so and then like I started playing like different kinds of like games like also like online games like there are several really famous uh, online games here in China. I know one is called uh, Chuan Chi. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a legendary. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The the name is legendary, legend or legendary or something like that. So it's a really famous like computer com uh, like online game. So th at that time I was older. I was kind of like. 10 or 11 i'm not sure yeah around time but like i i had a like computer at home at that time so but my father my parents don't really that didn't really allow me to play that like for a long time because like you know parents always don't don't like <laughs> their their child to play this computer game so well like so like when they like went to sleep, like I would just just get up, like you know, just to open the computer, turn on the computers, and to play the games. Yeah, that's my experience of computer and thing. I I didn't use it for other things. I really love these games. I still love these games, like and now. And did did that? I mean, how did you get from that experience to getting interested in in the legal side of some of these questions? Oh well. So my experience of getting into law school, that's, that's more weird. So like, because like, I, I didn't have any like legal back, background. Like I didn't study law. I didn't study pre-law when, when, when I was an undergraduate, undergraduate student. So my father was an engineer. So he, he really want me, wants me to study like engineer-related stuff. So I actually, so when I, when I started my undergrad, I actually was in like um, 
kind of like biology major, then 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 I just changed my major to kind of like environment science because biology is just so hard for me. Like like so I I changed to environment science. So when I applied for a graduate school, I actually applied for environment science program. So but my 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 pro my advisor at at that time. She was a lawyer. She was, she said something like like I only accept like joint program student. Yeah. So if you don't apply for law school, I cannot accept you as my student. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, uh, what is law school? Like yeah. what, what? Like I didn't know. I know any. I I I didn't know anything about it also at that time. So I I remember it's kind of like October. So the only chance I can take it outside is is on is on December. So anyway, so that's that's why I get into law school. So after I get into law school, because I had to study environmental science at the same time, so I did lots of like policy related stuff, like environmental law and this kind of things. But because my father was an engineer, he has a like. Uh, he's doing like material engineering, this kind of stuff, solar energy, these kind of things. So. I was into this kind of a technology for a long time, even though I didn't study that uh, as my major. So, I I do think like environmental law and tech law, like you know what we call cyber law and internet law, is kind of like related because like you know back to like two hundred years ago, like you know we consider this kind of like chemical engineering as a like advanced technology, right? So like we we have, but then we found out this kind of like industry can, industries can like can bring us some problems. Like that, that at that time the problem is like environmental problems, like you know, like you know yeah. deforestation and this kind of things. Now like the new technology is the is the internet is the is the is the computers and the problem they bought to us is data privacy. So they I think. I think they are kind of like related, so I I think I I would be able to use the use the framework I I learned when I was studying environmental law and apply that to cyber law and maybe information law, those kind of things. That's a, it's a really interesting parallel to see uh, the the legal questions is being tied to you know the this is our digital environment right yeah and, and they're both different ways in which humans kind of manipulate and, and sometimes poison themselves and, 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 you know, it needs to be controlled and it needs to be uh, uh, managed in some kind of framework. It's a, it's an interesting parallel. And yeah, I mean, maybe with that in mind, I, I'm curious, um, you, you know, what do you, you, you know, you, you both have, have worked between the U.S. And, and China. What do you think people in the U.S. tend to misunderstand about the Internet in China? And like, for instance, what is the best thing about it? And, you know, maybe after that, the, the worst. But, you know, what is it that people don't get over here uh, about what the Chinese Internet is, is like? Well, so for me, because I, I remember something like when I was in law school, like most of my friends, so like my my I mean my schoolmates like around me like mostly are like you know like white you know this people like they are elite, they, they elite, still elite yeah because it's elite schools like blue blood something like that but you know like most of people they 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 haven't so they didn't went like go to China so they know they they learn all this kind of like news uh, about China online and so they still thought like uh, China is a still quite like underdeveloped place <laughs> like yeah. 
Yo, it's not only about internet. Like you know, I remember some people ask me like, can you have access to this kind of like clean water or something like that? I was kind of like, well, I come from a quite big place and it's better than Champagne. Like you know, just so like I I I think like. Some people in U S because they didn't, they you know they, because we study abroad, so we 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 came to U S and we know how U S like. So though some 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 people in U S they, they didn't come to China, so they they still have the impression of like Chinese is like you know China is still a quite underdeveloped place. Well, we do have some bad things like well, but it's not like all the things are bad. So they they still think like probably like like our the internet here is so is still quite underdeveloped. We can only have like maybe access to small amount of apps. We don't have you know like social platforms like like the ones in the United States. Like I I do think many uh people have the impression uh, you know like 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 that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's one thing. Another thing, I guess, is most most people, they either believe that or Chinese internet companies or you know tech companies are, are fully listen to the governments. You know, you say something and they do something. That's one. Some people believe. Another group of people believe, um, they don't really obey the data privacy law. And they don't really you know care about the care about the users. I mean, that's weird because you they they believe in the two. Seeing that contradict themselves, right? But actually, the, the the real thing, the real scenario is, I guess, is um, it's still quite um, childish of the of the tech industry, especially for the internet in in China. Uh, but right, uh, but recently, uh, recently, recently in the five years, I guess I can feel, and also um, my friends in this in this field can feel the. The tighten up of the, the culture of the internet, or, uh, not not only in China but also in most countries in the world, and uh, and that's something I I think most people can feel, but actually they don't really think it's the same situation in China. But I think it's the same situation in China. There's some you know there's a lot of weird, um, forums in China like like for channel, <laughs> that's you know. People people don't believe that there's you know alternative version of what channel in Chinese community as well, but there is, and uh, it's very very interesting. Um, but uh, it's it's facing the same similar problems right now. 4chan, the the site where uh, people post all sorts of offensive stuff all the time. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> the uh, kind of cesspool of the internet is there too. As well. And it, I mean, I was struck too by the way in which things that, you know, for instance, haven't taken off here, like, you know, QR codes for purchasing things through through WeChat uh, in China, you know, are just totally ubiquitous. Everywhere you go, you see QR codes here. It's kind of a it's kind of a joke, like who uses those things? Um, but but it's part of everyday life and enables people to, you know, uh, uh, do payments in a way that can be kind of smoother and easier than uh, than what than what we see here, and that that it kind of um, is a reminder too that the that this you know this firewall that these blockages that that separate the um, the the Chinese from the U.S. internet have created um, different kinds of of apps and and have shown that you know there are different ways of doing things and even to the point now where where Facebook is is. Uh, you know, has, has has announced plans to try to emphasize more chat and build apps around chat the way that the Chinese WeChat app has mm-hmm. done. 
Um, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, you know, how do how do you see the balance? I mean, do do people and um, you know ordinary you know enthusiastic internet users in China see this as you know as many Americans are are taught to as you know primarily a, as, as a as a tool of surveillance? Do you feel the sense of the state's role? Right now, I guess it's unlike two thousand and eight. I remember that in two thousand, probably two thousand nine. I mean, 2008, 2009, when when Google China and uh, Kai Fu Li, he's he's then the head of Google, Google uh, of Great China area, and when they say uh they gonna quit the Chinese market, you know people were go, you know go to the Google office in Beijing and get them flowers like you know have a goodbye to them, something like that. For my generation, usually you know who born after nineteen ninety five. Or Fubon, um, around two thousand, and they're in their early twenties, and uh, or you know they're teenagers, and they 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 have no idea. Most of those most of my generation have no idea of the early, early internet. So they feel like the app based internet is the, is the natural state of the of the mobile internet of the of the web and. Uh, if the app the app is taken down for some reason, I mean there will there will be tons of reasons for taking down the app. You know the developer can be bankrupt or they they have some problems with the with the state or they just you know don't want to do that and uh, they don't really bother to tell the difference. I guess you know there's you know really thousands of reasons to take it down the app and uh, even even the the app store or even the 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 company who controls you know some app store they will take down competitors. You know, um, it's still you know people know people in the U.S. know that Alibaba and Tencent are two giants in, in China in in the Asians you know, uh, internet market and, like they they are like a forty billion or fifty billion business, and the funny thing is they don't really know they're banning each other. So if I am a user, for example, if I'm you know browsing on the, uh, Taobao. The, the the main site of Alibaba, the main app of Alibaba's, you know, customer, uh, e-commerce app, and I want to share something to, um, WeChat, right, to my WeChat friend, the to most of the users in the internet of the early generation of internet, I'm gonna send them a link. That's super, super natural, right? But um, Tencent or WeChat ban the link. So if you have a link from Taobao, you can't open that app in the WeChat app. You have to uh, copy and paste and go to Safari or Chrome to open the app, and so that's the user experience is very bad. Or um, the younger generation don't even know. Okay, there's a link. Okay, I can click. If it's banned in WeChat, that's fine. I won't open the app again because it's you know time consuming. I'm gonna you know spend more time on the TikTok, and uh, there's sometimes that you know Alibaba is banning WeChat, so they're banning each other, and all the companies they're banning each other. In the U.S., it's big. It's better because. The still uh the population the structure of population, um, because of the structure of population and also, the the early members of the the internet community are still there, so people still think ah okay if you ban a link that's really terrible, right? If you ban the URL that's censorship, but um few people know that um, um Facebook already banned you know the the Pirate Bay. The famous BitTorrent site. I mean, the more the more corporations involved in banning each other, the more 
people, I mean, the less people know about the the role of the state, because they'll feel okay, it's supernatural to ban each other. Yeah. So, so the the practices of the state are kind of mirrored in the practices of the of the companies. Yeah, yeah, in these yeah, cases. yeah. And you can you can't even tell the difference. You know, with this kind of culture of of banning um, that extends to the corporate level as well as the you know the national level, how are people seeing? Um, you know, Donald Trump's recent actions, do you think there? I mean, do they see this as a, you know, an, as a national confrontation? Or is it just, you know, another, you know, another ban uh, among many and, and kind of expected behavior? So like, still, there are lots of people in China, they don't know much about US, right? because they can come to us but like anyway and and they hate donald trump because they like donald trump did do some bad things on china so so like so so i i remember like when we when when the news first came out a lot of our friends who is who who is pretty you know, you know, highly educated like actually a, a highly educated girl and and she approached me and said, like, I have some friends, like, in the United States, if they ban WeChat, what are we going to use? Shall we just use, like, tele- Telegram or, like, Signal or other stuff? Like, you don't have to worry about this. Like, you know nothing about, like, U.S. legal system. Like, you know, the exact order. Like, you know, if, if you apply for injunction, injunction, if you file a lawsuit and apply for injunction relief, you know... The, it takes the, several another Yeah, the exact yeah. order won't be enforced. And also, I think, you know, the younger generation become more nationalism. Like, who's in, who's are, you know, those teenagers. But it's understandable because most of teenagers, they're, they're nationalism and, and they are very proud no, this, of that. They got, they got this kind of like education, like when they're young. So we also got this kind of education. Yeah, yeah. They got, I mean, when, I was, when we were young, we got the education about, you know, most of, the, most of the country in the world, they do have some education about these kind of stuff. And uh, but when when we were was were young, the the world is quite different. It's promoting globalism. It's pro- promoting you know the cooperation between each other, between um, countries and, and you know races between whatever whatever. But right now it's kind of different. So um, right now the teenagers more nationalism. So in regard of Donald Trump, they're gonna they're gonna think that's an act like war, but you know something uh, act war of the act of war for the internet industry in china something like that and for for elder people for elder people it will be more funny because they were they, f- they will feel that or the narrative of donald trump is really really familiar because like it's, well, it's what I, we, I do, I do yeah. feel like the younger generation so people are younger than us yeah are much more like our our parents generation yeah yeah so they start to like they learn lots of things like this kind of like idolizing the all the you know like the president like yeah, 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 like yeah. this kind of things like <laughs> yeah it's it's also very funny that you know when I first heard that Pompeo is he he's you know proposal about clean fi- fiber clean clean store something like that yeah clean yeah it's it's quite it's very funny because. Uh, it reminds me that in the early two thousand, there's similar movements in China. Like, I even remember. I don't remember the 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 the, the government official who who had those prof- who had those proposals. But I I do remember all these words are very similar. You know, the clean. I think it's called clean internet action or clean net action or clean whatever. It's I mean definitely it's, it's using clean, and 
what a scene they're doing the same. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's the same metaphor is being used. Yeah. yeah. The clean internet. Yeah. And, uh, and the reason are the same. They, they view Google as, you know, American spy or whatever. And then uh, we know they're not. And they think, uh, unless you, you have a corporation here, you know, um, or you or you sold, sold your share, your like Google IPO share to Chinese corporations, then we're going to let you in. For us, it's, it's definitely the same thing. It's very similar, you know, wording. That it's uh, history repeating itself. You're listening to Looks Like New. We've been speaking with Kat Gu and Suji Yan, who are tech activists and entrepreneurs. Uh, and we're asked, exploring the question of, you know, the meaning of the Great Firewall of China and the, the growing tensions uh, around technology between uh, China and the U.S. right now. We'll be right back. KTNU, the Open Media Foundation, and the Art District on Santa Fe invite you to join us for our Yard Bazaar, September 4th and 5th at 700 Calamath Street in Denver. Shop in the open air for records, CDs and books, electronics, TV equipment, and wares from local artists. Our parking lot market will be socially distanced with music from KGNU DJs, food trucks, and surprises. The KGNU Yard Bazaar is Friday, September 4th from 5 to 9 p.m. and Saturday, September 5th, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 700 Calamath Street. For more, visit KGNU.org. Welcome back to Looks Like New on KGNU Radio, a show that asks old questions about new tech. This month, again, we're speaking with Kat Gu and Suji Yan, tech activists and entrepreneurs uh, uh, who are based in Shanghai right now. Um, tell me about, I'd like to turn to some of your work and uh, you know, a different level of sovereignty uh, 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 that you've been exploring in, in the, the projects you've been developing. First, first, you know, you mentioned this before, uh, the anti-996 license and, and, you know, the, the tools you've built around this. What, what does 996 mean, uh, for people who are unfamiliar with yeah. that, with that number? So, uh, the, the movement 996.ICUAC initiated in the March, in the March last year, 2019, and the word term 96 it refers to a working schedule is quite inhumane that's work from 9 a.m to 9 p.m six day a week so that's you know pretty tough pretty bad for tech laborers especially for tech laborers in those uh giant tech giants in china or also you know all the other asian countries i do believe they have the similar problem so um the movement is kind of initiated by an anonymous programmer uh, he or she or them post several posts on different social medias about talking talking about 96 and they 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 invent a joke that if you work so hard you will end up in ICU and and then uh, it becomes a new terminology 96.icu right and also .icu is a top level domain which means you can purchase a website you purchase a URL a domain um, uh, for for the 996.icu and it's quite easy to remember so there's actually another or the same anonymous programmer or the same group of anonymous programmer they did purchase that domain and then they figured out okay we should um, open up a github page github repository to to do something even though we don't know what to do and then they open up the, the github uh, which is a platform for 
pro uh, programmers and developers to collaborate, and uh, that's that's how this thing started, and we're following the we're following this kind of movement closely, and I'm 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 very interested to to see this thing happen because I'm really into those anonymous movement. It's really interesting to see this thing happen in in Asia. And、uh, till now, we don't know who's the guy or who's them. But we kind of also joined the the GitHub repository, and then the you know GitHub is a place for developers to contribute their own source and codes. And then people start to think about okay, I want to do a sub project. I want to do another side project. They they start to do something like、um, whitelist, but、uh, blacklist of you know good companies, bad companies, and they even have like. A system for people to voting to to vote. Like,、uh, if I want to point out the company as a bad example, then that's the thing happened、uh, about banning the link. Because I don't think that's a state order, but、uh, rather I think that some company feel okay. Shit, we're on the we're on the blacklist, and it's it's by voting. You know, by voting we're on the blacklist. So our browser or our app gonna ban this this ninety six dot icu link. In order to prevent、uh, more people voting us as a bad company, and then、uh, we joined the movement, helping them to draft the license, the more like an open source license. We call it anti nine six license. So if you use our、uh, source code、uh, with the license, you have to obey with local labor law. Otherwise, you are not only、uh, violate of the local labor law, you are also、uh, violate of the contract of the. Uh, intellectual property of this, you know, codebase. So if 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 a company uses software that was licensed under this under the anti nine nine six license, it means they have to also they have to abide by these standards, these labor yeah, standards yeah, yeah, with yeah. their workforce. Yeah. Yes,、uh, they don't. They're not only violate the the labor law locally. They also violate some、uh, contract. You know, and it can be you can be can sue them internationally, or you know. Uh, they'll, they'll, this will it will be a much more larger、uh, case compared to you just violate uh, uh, you just violate someone's labor right. If some open source or if some important software using this license, they're gonna face a dilemma. And so, and and this is part of a broader movement that's been、uh, growing, you know, in, in different places around this、uh, ethical source idea, right? Taking the open source movement, you know, things like the Linux operating system or or Firefox browser, which which generally come with licenses that say anybody can use this for any purpose. And that's one of the kind of crucial backdrops to、uh, this ethical source idea, saying. Um, no, we actually do care about the purposes our tools are used for and how they're used, and we want to attach these provisions. So others have said, you know, you can't violate the UN Declaration of Human Rights, but here you're specifically focused on on labor rights,、um, and and you know, adopting that challenge of、um, uh, of fair working hours that you know was fought for. Um, uh, you know, through through many decades and even even centuries,、um, in the you know rise of the industrial revolution and so forth, there are, are these nine nine six work arrangements. Are these like factory workers? Are these are these coders? Who who's who's getting these kinds of deals? One problem of this is like all the people think. Like people who work for this like factories, they are vulnerable. Like they should be protected. 
Yeah. But no one think programmers should be protected. Yeah. Because no one think they're you got so like you yeah. know you are paid you're, so you're good. Tech like, elite. Yeah, yeah. You you are, you are, you are elite class. You should, yeah. you don't have to be protected. Yeah. And, and 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 legally or technically, you can form a labor union in China in in tech industry. But no one's doing so. And also, I believe. You know, I so I know that in the U.S. or in the other Western countries in the tech industry, uh, there's like the old tech and the new tech. The old tech, you know, the telecommunication or more uh, old-fashioned ones like there's yeah more unions yeah yeah, yeah. there's there's labor yeah. unions and there's like uh, organizations fight for the the basic rights of the you know eight hour you know eight hour uh, schedule something like that and but for the new. Uh, the new tech industry uh, from nineties. These guys are are usually viewed as tech elites. You know, Silicon Valley kid, uh, kids and and those geek with billions. And uh, there's no single labor union. There's no single. There's no single uh, NGO trying to really focus on this problem. You know, a lot of these tech workers who are organizing now in the U.S. You know, as you said, they're not organizing with the typical old. Uh, tech unions, um, and they're they're actually you know they're even when they're acting as if they have a union, you know they're organizing together in their workplace. You know there's a discomfort about um, affiliating with uh, the the unions of more blue collar workers, yeah. and it's it's it, you know it does have to do with that. I think that that mindset of you know I'm not really that kind of worker. Yeah, right? yeah. I, there's a class difference that. Um, you know, that maybe it blinds them to ways in which they might be exploited by some of these companies. I, I, I do think people have some, um, like, fantasies regarding the tech industry. Before I met Suji, so my, so my only goal is to get into big companies. So at that time, I was reading really off Google, Facebook. I yeah, really yeah. wanted to get into those big companies, and I, I have never been to Silicon Valley before. So, so when I first, uh, I think it's just when I first, so Suji brought me to Google. So because they have this kind of like tour or thing, yeah, something yeah, yeah, like some that. So he bought, yeah. yeah. So he brought me to, uh, uh, he brought me to Google. So I. It, we took a tour there. I was kind of like, that's nothing like my imagination. Yeah, it's just some buildings from it's, the SGS. You know, you know. <laughs> I, you know, there are several people who are, you know, I, I so we, I do have some friends who work for, work for Google. So, so, so their like schedule is really. For me, it's kind of like stupid. Like you know, like they work for 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 like working in the company for for maybe like eight hours. That's good. Like you know, you don't have to work overtime. But when they went back home, they're playing games and they. It seems like they have nothing to do. They have, they have no pursuit of life. You know. Yeah, and they spend. Because they are already in Google. Like I was like. Right so now, right before now that's the life I'm I'm dreaming about. But now I was like no. Never. <laughs> yeah, and also feel that you know, these people, um, young engineers, they have no idea of the society, the problem of the, or or the you know the the problem of society or you know how to, what we can do to to improve to fix the eco to the system, uh, whether it's legal system or. Uh, tech ecosystem, whatever, whatever. The typical typical track for these, uh, including me, 
when I was younger, the typical track is, you know, apply an intern in Facebook, Google, you know, or LinkedIn, uh, Amazon, Amazon, whatever, and then um, full-time engineer, become senior engineer, and then you, you, you got a house and you think, yeah, sure, uh, yeah, I should, you know, talk to the YC guys, you know, Y Combinator, I should, I should do a star. Then you raise some money from VC and then you kind of sold it for, you know, ten million, thirty million dollar, and then you become a angel investor. And <laughs> that's, yeah, that's so super, that's kind of like that's the typical, boring to me, typical but... <laughs> path for all the Silicon Valley guy. Yeah, I, I, I really, yeah, I was dreaming about those kind of lives before, but now it's like. Yeah, and and also they're it's, like they're, they're so I think they, they live in a bubble that, uh, you know, uh, they 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 are taught to change the world using the ability of the software of the internet, and they they also speak you know use this uh, use this use these wordings a lot, and uh, when they become VCs, they're gonna say ah yeah we just invest in a blockchain project to save the African people from the. From the unbanked situation, but they have never been. I mean, they even never been to Asia, Asia countries, and they like you know why they why can they use the smartphone with the super cool, whatever whatever new technology, whatever blockchain or whatever, yeah. whatever, and they have no idea, and that's a problem. And, and it feels and, and, like all these people giving their dreams. Guys. Yeah, and and last year the anti Netflix is very cool that most most of those elite engineers or you know. Chief scientists, VP of huge companies, they, they even joined the the movement to, to think about shit. It's huge problems of our industry, because we can we can not only do better, we can also union other people, but we're not doing there anything. Also, there 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 were lots of discussions about that. Yeah. Like you know, like, you know, discussions like um, some senior engineers who are doing really good like maybe in Huawei or maybe in other countries they they all get laid off at the age of 35 and they can't find a new job something like that lots of discussions in China yeah I guess it's the same case for Amazon right now yeah, yeah but they're not yeah. laid off by person person they're laid off by machine yeah they're laid off by machine you're listening to looks like new we've been speaking with kat gu and suji yan tech activists and entrepreneurs uh, in shanghai about the uh, life on and, and technology on both sides of the great firewall uh, stick with us and we'll be right back if you're thinking about supporting kgnu but you're not quite ready to make a monetary contribution Consider giving a car you no longer use. You can always donate that. We'll arrange to have it picked up, sold at auction to someone who needs it, and invest the funds into covering the news. It's a win-win all the way. Support the programming you rely on. Get started today at kgnu.org or call 1-844-KGNU-CAR. That's 1-844-546-8227. And thanks. Welcome back to Looks Like New on KGNU Radio. I'm Nathan Schneider again, and I'm speaking with Kat Gu and Suji Yan, uh, tech activists and entrepreneurs in, uh, in Shanghai. And we're talking about uh, uh, the you know, life and technology on both sides of the, of the Great Firewall. Um, we, you know, we've been talking about the kind of big picture kind of conflicts between the U.S. and China and the, and the 
um, uh, different kinds of blocking and banning going on. Uh, we've talked about labor organizing uh, uh, in tech cultures and in you know, on both sides of the of the ocean. But, you know, I'd like to turn also to a tool that you all have been building um, called Maskbook, uh, which which is in a way it's kind of like a tool to enable um, everyone to have their own great firewall to enable um, <laughs> encrypted conversations to occur even on um, even on the big commercial platforms like, for instance, Facebook. Um, can you tell us a bit about what's what's motivating this? You know, a lot. Sometimes you hear people, you know, wanting to, um, you know, replace Facebook to create a bit a different, better kind of social network. Why did you decide to build something on top of it? Yeah. Uh, so we we my my uh, slogan for the mass book is we want to onboard people into the new internet or the new web. We're not yet sure that what is the new web. Someone say that's the, you know, um, blockchain peer to peer web, whatever. Or someone referred that for uh, that in the Silicon Valley HBO show. We're not yet sure, but we we're pretty sure that, uh, from my opinion, we're pretty sure that Facebook and Twitter and uh, you know, Reddit, all those platforms, they won't die easily. And uh, that that's also why we that's all that's the reason we why we're doing this on top of the Facebook Twitter. It looks it's it's like you know the nineties in the nineties that um, Microsoft is the the evil monopoly. You know Bill Gates he's not a good guy in nineties and uh, and Linux and macOS they're trying to you know bite bite off some market share from the the Windows. Uh, in the oper- in the OS war and they failed I guess. What really changed the situation is the broader. The broader bring uh every user a new word called internet, called the World Wide Web and that's more uh, you have more freedom and that's more open. You have you're open to program, you're open to communicate. And eventually the broader will become another operating system. So in our opinion, all these attempt to build yet another internet uh, from, from you know, then uh, do to um, uh, Bitcoin to Ethereum, uh, or from Telegram to Signal, um, they will end up in a few millions of users. Even though I do think they're pretty cool, and what we want to do is we actually want to help them if they're if they they are compatible with us, you know, we want to help them to empower them and tell the users that you know uh the multi-billion dollar company won't die right now and we can help you to join the new to to onboard in the new internet the new web right now uh, starting from protecting your post by encrypting your post and uh, another thing we just did this february during the lunar new year is we are, we can enable people to send in over money, uh, the cryptocurrency or or any digital form of money, on top of Twitter and Facebook. That's what Libra claim they want to do. So but, so and and yeah. In each of these cases, you're uh, just make make sure I've got this right. You're able to uh, kind of encrypt the message or the payment on one side and then send it over this network that is supposed to be monitoring and and. Uh, uh, and tracking everything we do on it, um, but the the network Facebook or or whatever it is can't see it. Yeah, and yeah. then so they have no idea the that, message yeah. arrives at the destination, and they can decrypt yeah, it. Yeah, they have no idea. I send Nathan some, you know, uh, coin 
whatever coin it is, stable coin. Yeah, I think most people will use some whatever coin. And uh, we don't really want people to know that, oh, this is super geeky, but it's just, you know, a, a, a few clicks and then you're in the new world uh, and without really leaving or migrating from those platforms. Or, you know, you don't need to tell all your friends you're not on Facebook anymore, you're on Telegram or Signal. Um, yeah, that's our ideas. That's why we're doing this. We want to help all the other projects, help all the other projects try to try to achieve a new world. We try to, you know, bring them to the to the current internet, to the current platforms. So uh from start from the encryption, start from the sending encrypted posts, then sending encrypted money, then sending encrypted apps, you know, or whatever you want. It's an open system, yeah. And and what does Facebook think about this? Um, I have no they idea. Like, they, they, I, they definitely no don't like that. Uh, I, I think they definitely don't like that. Uh, but we haven't had any, you know, official uh, contact with the uh, Facebook team. And uh, uh, I know the Facebook is doing Libra. I think uh, most of our audience also heard of the story from 2019, I guess. It's a huge story that Facebook tried to invent their own token their own chain their own blockchain and they want to say uh, they want to you know issue a coin for the global payment and they got problems from regulations in in all the major countries um i mean in my opinion what facebook trying to do is like i think i think the new web is cool new internet new whatever chain is cool we want to build our own you know and then we control that and <laughs> um, what we want to do is there's already solutions why we can't want bore people into the new world, encrypting encryption, whatever, whatever. So um, definitely, they probably. I mean, I think they definitely don't like our approach, but they have nothing to do with our approach. The only thing they can do right now is during last year, late last year, they tried to ban the link, muscle.com. And then they uh, they unban link after a few months. I don't know why, but they're still banning the Mastodon.io link. And we're not relying on we're we're not relying on the link. You can, you can use many ways to promote us. You can send an emoji or, you know, GIF or whatever. And uh, if people can talk, people can spread word. So um, I don't think that's a problem. And eventually, so yeah. so right right now, they um, uh, they can ban the you know a, a link that appears to your website, but they can't stop the the actual messages yeah, from yeah. from going across yeah, yeah, their network. Yeah. Eventually, eventually, if if you know if from the legal side, sending gibberish or sending, you know, not only gibberish, sending code sending cryptocurrency sending whatever it's a, it's a kind of speech right it's kind of a free speech and uh, there's technical way to probably you know deter us but we are fully uh, open source decentralized system is we can evolve much more faster than than any of those platforms so i don't think there's a way to deter us even though they might you know they might they might try to and uh, it's like you know Microsoft can tell the 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 Netscape navigator, yo, you don't you don't do it, and 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 they can tell the browser not do it, but they cannot tell the internet, yo, you don't you don't you don't communicate to each other. Stop 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 sending bits, <laughs> and uh, it will be the same thing. You know, you can't tell people to 
stop sending encrypted stuff or stop using the, the new uh, infrastructure. And uh, right now we are working on improve the user experience, but um, it, it will take years, but it will be very, very uh, interesting. And eventually we, we're trying to fix some of the problems of the current internet, yeah. What kind of what kind of internet do you hope for? I mean, we we seem to be moving toward one that is so kind of fragmented, and uh, you know, one in which uh, uh, different countries have different regulations. Um, some countries are now imposing taxes of, on social media use. There's the GDPR. There's you know the the uh, Great Firewall, and then now the U.S. is undertaking its own clean internet campaign, which you know, as you say, you know, just echoes uh, earlier kind of Chinese rhetoric in that um, uh, in that way. And 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 you know, even the the calls for a decentralized web seem to um, lead to a kind of fragmentation. I mean, do you see? Um, the the internet is being kind of a shared global platform uh, uh the, the this dream that uh, uh of of the kind of global village that uh marshall McLuhan uh talked about uh, many years before all this or um do you do you think we need to embrace that fragmentation and uh have many internets uh that that are uh, able to reflect many experiences and don't have this kind of dragnet surveillance. I, you know, it's probably somewhere in between. But w- w- what do you see your work as as uh, moving toward? I think the fragmentation between the individuals are okay. It's it's the it's the part of the individualism that I want to have my self sovereignty. That I don't really want to, want the platform or certain certain audience to you know like or a certain government agents to 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 view my post or data that's that's from the early cypherpunk ideology that i encrypt my stuff right and and don't try to touch my stuff it's my it's my house in the, in the digital world uh i will have the castle law in the in the, in the digital world as well something like that that's that will be encouraged uh, encourage it will be it will be some natural law right, and uh, for for the globalism for you know for the state level, right now not only the the firewall also you know as you say the clean fiber the clean the internet project and and the, the civilians capitalism you know, and also the GDPR is is really making the the global global community more and more fragmented eventually. Uh, right now it's still growing. Right now it's still growing. I guess in 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 few, in next three four years, we will see, uh, those major, uh, major internet giants have different version of website, different version of their service in different countries, and they might be completely, uh, separate. You know, uh, islands. It, it, you know it kind of this it would this it can the 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 whole ideas of the. Uh, independence of the cyberspace is kind of already uh, destroyed by the the real <laughs> situation. We want to we want to encourage is we do want to encourage the individual individualism of self sovereignty, but we also want to encourage the connectivity that uh, you do have the right to to hide to encrypt your stuff, but you also want to connect to the to the new people, I mean, free of surveillance, free of being monetized, uh, 
being monetized as a product, free of being banned or being uh being taught what to what to like, what to unlike. Starting from starting from using those major social platforms freely. And right now we can't using those major social flat platforms freely because the more we, we use them, the more we use them in the current way, the more we use all those platforms, the more they gain. You know, the the more the more their machine, their AI will learn from us, the more data we give up and uh, eventually or even accelerated the uh, the fragmented world. So that's why we're starting from the current ecosystem that uh, the more people using MathBook, uh, the more people are protecting their individualism while simultaneously they're connected in, in the new world, in the new whatever uh, terminologies, new web. And uh, I'm I'm quite you know optimistic about the future of website, but uh, uh, about the future of the web and the future of the internet. But I'm also very practical about how we uh, bring that into uh, real life. And Kat, where where do you see the the role of the law here? I mean, do you, do you see in uh, your role as a lawyer here to get the law out of the way to build that internet, or do you see? Um, you know, a, a role for law, you know, across contexts, across countries to enable this kind of, this kind of future. So like this kind of like change, like Suji has described, I think can only be realized through the advancing technology or through computer gigs or not through lawyers, actually, at least in, uh, initially. So because like when you go back to, like to the early age, of internet, you know, like, uh, like for the first, first, like forty years from ninety sixties from the, from the beginning of ARPANET to to the uh, to the creation of the World Wide Web. So it's about like thirty to forty years. So at that time, there's actually almost no regulation on like internet. Most of the time, it plays the role of like inhibiting the development of technology not by not promote this kind of things yeah i think you know all the engineers should should at least read the history of the early internet know yeah all what the, happened you know. so yeah yeah that's that i agree like all the programmers all the coders should just go back to learn history yeah and and all the lawyers should you know at least yeah know. all the lawyers just go back to school learn, learn coding yeah i mean yeah that's that's how the current at least how the current internet is is built, without without the early ninety forks, without early eighty those those geeks. I, I feel I feel like programmers yeah. and and lawyers they just can't communicate. They're speaking different languages. Yeah, they're they're in different utopia right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yet at the same time, there's something so so much in common. Yeah, you know, there's uh, they're both, you know, as Lawrence Lessig said, law is code. You know, there's um, their code is law, <laughs> yeah. right? That that, that uh, you know, you, you can kind of go both ways. Uh, yeah. Both both are attempts to program our societies, and uh, and and we're kind of doing it in real time as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and you know, especially when we do it in different ways, we start to see the consequences of that. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, thank you both so much for joining us. Really good to have you here, and and we, you know, I think we need to have more of this kind of, um, you know, cross continental conversation. So thank you for 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 being with us. Thank you, thank you.
You've been listening to Looks Like New on KGNU Radio, a show that asks old questions about new tech. We've been speaking with Kat Gu and Suji Yan, tech activists and entrepreneurs. Uh, their company, Dimension, produces devious encryption tools like Maskbook, which enables users to send encrypted messages over popular social media platforms. And you know, they're speaking to us from Shanghai. Um, I'm Nathan Schneider, a professor of media studies at CU Boulder. Looks Like New is a production of CU's Media Enterprise Design Lab. And you can find out more about our work at colorado.edu slash lab slash medlab. Uh, if you'd like this show, please spread the word uh, about it and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I'd like, also love to hear from you if you have comments or guest ideas. And you can reach me at medlab at colorado.edu. Thank you so much for joining us. and. I hope you'll uh, come back again next month. Thank you.